Good morning. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord and to be here with you and to see you once again after having been away, as I mentioned, um, on Wednesday evening for um, more than a month. For our meditation this morning, I'd like to continue in the book of James and read the entire third chapter. So let's turn together to James chapter 3. James writes, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise and and man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. In this third chapter that we have read together here this morning, James really continues in the theme, the overriding theme of his entire epistle, his letter to the believers. And that is that of an authentic, genuine faith that is demonstrated in how we live out our lives. And probably more so than many other areas of our lives, the words that come out of our mouth are indeed a demonstration of the 
genuineness of our faith, the faith that we profess to believe and follow. If we go back to chapter 1, verse 26, James wrote there, he said, And if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now that is a very strong message, a strong word that really cuts to the heart and connects our our faith that we profess with the way we use or misuse our tongues. Another scripture in Proverbs uh, chapter 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And really, both of these verses really speak to the seriousness of what James is devoting primarily this entire chapter to, and that is the tongue. And we know that that in itself is also a really a major theme within Scripture. There are so many verses that that address this and talk about this, and we will look at a number of them this morning, but obviously not exhaustively and obviously not... Um, in the entirety of what uh, the scriptures are saying to this, but trying to stick with the text and the things that are addressed here. But let's just pause for a moment this morning, and I'd like all of you to think back into your life, and perhaps think of a time when when someone said something to you that that had um, a tremendous impact, maybe something positive or something negative that really, in a sense, almost um, altered the course of your life, that made a profound difference and, and affected you and maybe still affects you today. And believe it or not, that, that is really true for many people. Sometimes uh, a teacher, maybe even a parent, sadly, or, or someone that is in authority over you or a person, can say something that really cuts to the heart and, and, and has a, an impact that, that sometimes people just simply can't get over. And what a tragedy that is. And, and the opposite is also true. And hopefully many or all of us can think of, of something that somebody said in a positive way that really... Um, impacted our lives, that, that, that made a difference and, and really set us on a, a different course. Maybe the encouragement that they gave made a difference in our lives and, and, and caused us to be able to, 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 to soar in a sense and, and, and lift out of maybe a circumstance or situation that we were in. And that made a real positive impact and difference in our lives. And I think as we reflect perhaps in our memories about this, we can really see how, how this is an important uh, subject to address. And, and James understands that. Jesus understood that, obviously. Uh, the book of Proverbs speaks much about it, as do other scriptures as well. And as we look at these together. So James begins this uh, this chapter, or the way this chapter is laid out, by... He says, my brethren, be not many masters. And in other words, what he's saying is, uh, be careful about aspiring to be a teacher or about being a teacher. Because, 
As a teacher, you will be speaking words, and certainly now this applies to us as preachers, um, applies to teachers, but applies to others as well. But you will be speaking words that can and will impact people's lives. And maybe impact them, as we've already seen um, or can think about, in, in positive ways or negative ways. And because of that, they can be life-changing words and words that, that really make a huge difference. And because you have that responsibility, the Bible has says, be careful with that. Take that seriously. Because we, and I'm speaking now for myself, have... Not only a greater responsibility, but the Bible says here, greater condemnation, or in other words, a greater judgment. God will judge those that, that speak, um, in an authoritative way to others. Um, more stringently, we will say. I don't want to say harshly or, or, um, but rather more stringently. And that just is a reminder for, for those that are in those positions to take that very seriously and weigh the words that come out of our mouths. And that certainly is preachers and it's teachers. It's, it's us in the capacity of giving counsel or advice. But it's many of you that find yourselves in a position of authority, even as a parent, because you also are a teacher of your children. And the words that you speak can have a huge impact. And there, there are those probably sitting in these benches that have been impacted by words spoken by your parents. Um, but so that none that are sitting here would think, well, I'm not really a teacher or certainly not a preacher or in that position. Let me remind you that you're not off the hook either because Jesus made it very clear in Matthew Chapter 12, verse 36, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So it's not only the words that teachers, um, those in authority that speak, but actually all of us will give an account for the words that we have spoken, and especially the idle words, the words that, that uh, were not, um, maybe not fitting or not appropriate. So James goes on to, in the second verse here, and I'm going to read this verse to you in the New King James Version, which is really the way that most or many other translations um, render this verse. There it says, For we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. And when it, when it says stumble here, it's not just stumbling or fumbling over our words and not being able to get them out the way we would like them to be. It, it really is a reference to, to saying things that, that, um, we recognize most of the time after the fact, that have gotten us into trouble. Saying things that, that uh, after we have said it, and maybe immediately after we have said it, we, we say to ourselves, oh, why did I say that? Why did that come out of, out of my mouth? And, and the reality is that none of us are exempt from making that experience of, of, of speaking things um, and... Um, 
than wishing we could take those words back, and we know that's not possible. That words, once they leave our mouth, as, as one proverb say, you know, are like a speeding arrow. They, they reach their mark and inflict whatever um, is the result. And so as James goes on, um, you know, you know, here in this um, verse, he also said, and if anyone doesn't stumble um, or in his words, and, and we could also use the word offend because many times words that we use are offensive. They are uh, things that hurt other people. But um, if someone doesn't fall into that category, they're perfect. And, and really, this is a reference to being um, mature. And, and the Bible encourages us as believers that we should strive for that perfection. We should strive for that maturity. And certainly, the way one uses their words and speaks their words is a strong indication of the, the level of their spiritual maturity. Being able to, to control, uh, here it uses the word bridle, but to be able to control what you say and how you say it and when you say it is certainly an indication of your maturity level and of the spiritual maturity that we should be striving for, especially to brethren, because as most of the book of James, and, and certainly this uh, chapter as well, he, he addresses it. Um, he says, my brethren, he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is an area that, that we especially, all of us, but especially as believers, need to, to take notice of and um, really be aware of how we are using this. And so James, as he goes on here, he really draws analogies of, of how mankind has, has been able to um, tame and control animals. And he mentions a horse by simply putting a small um, uh, bridle on them and a bit in their mouth that they can, can control uh, the horse and make him do uh, uh, or her do exactly uh, what, um, what the rider wants them to do. Um, and certainly those of you that love horses and ride them, and you understand that very well. And then he goes on to the idea of a, of a ship and how even a great ship um, can be controlled by, by a, a, a small rudder controlled in the direction that he, he goes. And, and really he, he uses this as a comparison uh, of the tongue. How this little member, uh, invisible most of the time, but there in our mouths, can, can really... Um, make such a huge difference, just like that little bit and that little rudder can make a huge difference, uh, so can our tongues. But he also uses the analogy of a fire. And how that a little fire, um, you know, he says here, behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And we all know when we hear about forest fires and, and, uh, the devastation of, of, of thousands of, of, of acres, uh, and square miles that, that are just destroyed by fire, uh, devastated by fire. And many times, uh, as we've seen in recent years, uh, homes and communities as well. And, and often by a little spark, by a, a careless, maybe cigarette butt or, or a, a campfire that wasn't put out properly and then all of a sudden grows into 
A huge fire that does such devastation. And it's that analogy, it's that comparison that that James is using to, to show us how this little tongue can cause so much damage and do so much harm if we are not careful and if we are not watchful about that. So as we would look at different portions of this scripture, I want to look at three areas. What we say how we say it, and why we say it. And all three of these are important. And not to say that other areas uh, of, of how we use our, our tongue and, and how we speak and, and sing, and, and there's many different uh, areas that we could look into. But looking at these three, and beginning with, with this whole area of why do we say the things that we say? That's an important question, and, and to really ask, well, what is the source of, of the words that we speak. If we look for a moment at verses 13 and 14, you know, after he gives this, this um, uh, you know, talks about the tongue in many ways, then he says, who is a wise man? In other words, he's almost speaking now to that person who is spiritually mature, that is wise and has learned uh, in life to, to use his tongue well, and perhaps also speaking to those that are in that position to teach and to, to instruct others. He says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. In other words, here it means a good way of life, which includes speaking, conversation, but also doing his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. And what James is saying here is that what, what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And he said that because he did that on the authority of what Jesus himself preached as well and, and taught as well. And we'll look at some of those verses. Jesus, um, this very familiar um, encounter that he had with the Samaritan woman at the well and we don't, I don't want to get into that story, but essentially, um, after some discourse with her, uh, you know, she, um, she asked him, you know, or he said to her, you know, that, uh, you know, if you drink from, you know, the, uh, the water that I give, you won't thirst anymore. And she asked for, for that water. And he said, the water that I shall give shall be a well of water springing up into eternal life. And here he was speaking of the spirit that would be given and, and, and would be a part of a believer's life and how he would, would produce um, not only eternal life in, in the sense of, of the ever after, but also in this life. Produce the fruit that, that is spoken of uh, in this chapter here that that honors God and glorifies him and should be the evidence that the world sees that we are God's children. And really it's, it's, it's what is um, springing out of our lives, just like a, a spring, and, and we perhaps many of us have seen a spring, the, the water that just comes out, uh, you know, a, a, a stream that is, is fed by water that is springing out of the ground, or, or a lake that, that is 
you know, water springing out from underneath the ground. And this is really a, a, also a word picture of, of what the believers like life should be, that the spirit should be within us and, um, and what should spring forth and come forth or gush forth, if we use a water analogy, uh, should be the very uh, fruit of our lips that, that gives evidence of, of that spirit living within us and God being in control of our lives. Then he gives this indictment in verses 10 uh, through 12. I'd like to read those verses again. He says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Doth a fountain send forth of the same place sweeter, sweet water and bitter? The answer is obviously no. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? No. Either a vine, figs? No. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Really, what he is saying here is that how the things that we speak are speaking about what's really going on in our hearts and in our lives. And if we are truly born again and regenerated, that needs to be evidence in the way we speak. And certainly a... A fig tree can't bear olives in these comparisons that, that are given here. And we are either a child of God or, or we are not. But the reality is that, that even a good well can become contaminated. And even a fruit tree that appears to have really good fruit can have fruit that is Contaminated. Recently, we, we picked some cherries um, um, along a road close to where my parents live called Cherry Blossom Road, lined with cherries. And they're just, we picked a lot of cherries and then some from a tree on our property and they looked so good and even ate some. But on closer examination, when some of them were open to take out the pits, there were these tiny, tiny little worms in almost every cherry. And naturally, we lost our appetite. And, and the point I'm trying to make here is that as children of God, because remember, James is writing to believers, as children of God, we can become like a well that is contaminated, that has something, uh, uh, you know, that, that's gone into the water. Think Walkerton, for some of you that remember that. Or those of you, like myself, that have, have our own well that, that should be, and, and we do test it from time to time to make sure that it isn't contaminated because that can cause sickness and disease. Or like fruit that can become uh, full of worms, or, or inspect, even though it looks perfect on the outside, somehow a worm has gotten into it. And, and our tongues can be like that as well. That, that we are living a Christian life, but somehow some contamination, something that defiles, has, has, has worked its way into our speech and the way we use our tongue. That, uh, that is really an evidence that our hearts are, are maybe not entirely in tune with God. Jesus, now look, going to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, he says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. Why do we say the things we say? We say them because of what's in our hearts. 
And it's not, a, it's not an indictment that our hearts are, are, um, are totally against God. But that our hearts are prone, um, are prone to, to do wrong, especially with the tongue. Further on, Jesus in Luke chapter 6, he says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And here we see the contrast of, of, of those that are believers and those that are, are not believers. But... I'd like to focus for a moment on this word here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What fills your heart? What fills your your mind and your thoughts? And, And whatever that is, that is going to come out of your mouth. Um, and, and, and we need to weigh that and weigh our words and, and really measure them against what's really in our hearts, and have a a, a deep look at that as well. In Proverbs, it gives us this uh, encouragement, this word. It says, keep. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart. In other words, guard your heart. Your your relationship with God, who you are, especially as a child of God, God, guard that um, with all diligence, with with every fiber of your being, because that's important. Because out of it, indeed, flow the springs of life, flow the very things that that will make and can make a, a world of a difference, not only in your life, but in the lives of those that hear the words that you are speaking. So may we, may we really. Take that word seriously to really guard and to keep our hearts and do that with all diligence because that is the source. That is where the words ultimately are coming from. And ask ourselves, are the words that we speak, are they really life-giving words? Next, let's look at what we say. Not only where these words ultimately come from, but, but what we are actually saying when we speak. And I'd like to break this into three sections. Many more could be spoken of. But that of speaking no evil, speaking the truth, and speaking to edify. First of all, speak no evil. So James here, and uh, in, in, we've read this verse, I'll just reread it again. He said, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things not so, um, ought not so to be. You know, the way this is written, he is actually saying this is happening. He, and, and as I think in many things in the entire book of James, he's actually speaking to things that were going on. And, and this does go on. It happens in my life, and I'm sure it happens in your life. And we can come to church, and we can say, uh, come here and, and sing praises to God, blessing, honor, and, and bringing glory to God. And maybe before we even uh, exit these doors, uh, are saying things that really 
maybe not as strong as it says here, cursing, but in a sense, very negative in things that are inappropriate or things that are wrong. And James is really saying, brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Where on one hand you are praising God and, and, and blessing God and honoring God and, and then uh, at the next moment or, or shortly after on the other hand you're, you're saying things that are uh, not right for a believer to, to say or to speak. He simply says these things ought not to be that way. If we jump ahead to chapter 4 in, in James um, He says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And how how much this ties back to to what he says at the beginning of chapter 3 about about being judged and being judged more strictly and, and, and that we will be judged for the words that we speak, but especially when we speak evil um, or wrongly of our brother um, or sister. Well, what, speaking evil of someone else, what does that mean? What can that include? Well, certainly things like the Bible speaks about gossip, slander, backbiting, Talking behind people's back, which is another way of maybe saying backbiting. Even belittling people or, or putting them down or, or, or making fun of someone, whether in their presence or, or not in their presence. All of the kinds of things that, that really wound people, that really hurt people. Whether they, they hear it directly or, or, or find out about it indirectly. These are the kinds of things that, that, that often have lifelong consequences. Spoken many times in haste and many times in, in, uh, not so much in ignorance, but, but somewhat in ignorance and that we're, or more so carelessness, but have huge impact, huge results. Just like the spark, just like the, the rudder on a ship, um, but certainly like a spark that becomes like a fire that, that really can become out of control. And, and many of us, maybe all of us can think of times when we have found ourselves in that place where our words have done those things. And James is really speaking, um, not only in this chapter, but also in this verse in chapter 4, and warns us against that and what we need to do to avoid that. But speaking no evil, Peter writes about this as well when he says in chapter 3, verse 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. And I've underlined here in my notes the word refrain. You know, because... Um, and again, that was spoken to believers. And, and who here doesn't want to love life or, or live life uh, in a good way? Having good relationships and, 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 and not having conflict and, and, and having the blessings of, of those good relationships, uh, not only with God, but with one another. And, and be able to, to see good days, uh, you know, as the Bible's promises to those that, that, uh, um, 
that obey their parents, that they shall live long on the earth and that it will go well with them. We, we want that blessing in our lives. And Peter is really saying that if you want that, that you need to refrain your tongue from, um, from evil and your lips from speaking guile or speaking things that, that are in this list that I gave earlier, gossip, slander, backbiting, and so on. But refrain. And that is telling us that, that, that we need to hold back. That we need to, to, um, really think, uh, twice before we, we say things. And really be careful. In Ephesians, Paul now says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of, of edifying, that we may, it may minister grace unto the hearers. And corrupt communication obviously would be profanity, and the Bible speaks to that, and, and needless to say, those things should, should never uh, come out of the mouth of a believer. But corrupt uh, isn't just vulgar or profanity. It can also be that which literally corrupts, that which does damage, that which wounds, that which hurts, that which does not edify. Um, and here he says, don't let that come out of your mouth. Um, but instead, that which um, is for edifying. And we'll get to that in a moment. Let me ask you this question. When when was the, the last time that... Um, that um, you really um, were about to say something that you really shouldn't say to to someone um, or to repeat something that someone has said to you, uh, maybe in a gossip way, and you stopped yourself because you knew it was was wrong hopefully hopefully you can think about times like that, and hopefully that becomes and should become the norm uh, in our lives. And that, that we sh- certainly shouldn't be the ones that, that uh, not only speak these things, but also repeat these things that others have said. But moving on here, not only should we not speak no evil, but the Bible teaches us also that we should speak the truth. Um, just briefly here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes and he says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Um, certainly this is very true among us as believers, but it actually says here neighbors uh, or your neighbors, so it definitely expands well beyond that and, and really includes everybody. L- lying, speaking the things that are not true, should, should not be a part of a believer's life and will not be a part of a believer's life if the Spirit of God is, is ruling and reigning in our lives. He will, he will reveal to us and, 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 and as we grow and mature in Him that we, that we won't speak a lie, certainly not an outright lie. But all of us, I think, have been in that place where, um, we have spoken what we sometimes try to, um, whitewash a lie by calling it a white law, a white lie. Try to minimize what it really is by maybe stretching the truth or avoiding the truth or, 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 um, 
you know, saying just so much but withholding the rest that, that really gives an impression or, or gives a message that is not complete. But it really speaks here to, um, you know, this whole idea that, that the believer should be one who speaks the truth. And we should be known as those that speak the truth. We should be, live our lives as, as Jesus uh, said, that our yea should be yea and our nay should be nay. And it needs to be black and white. Our yes needs to be yes. Our no needs to be no. And it needs, we need to be truthful in all that we say. And thirdly, that we would speak to edify. In Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and the things wherewith one may edify another. You know, there are few things in the course of life that will cause disharmony and disunity and, and will destroy peace and relationships than what can come out of our mouths, things that come out of our mouths that, that really just literally destroy relationships and rob us of the peace that God wants us to have in those relationships. And, and he says, let's follow after, let's strive and, and, and work to go after those things that will edify one another. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Am I doing that? Really being intentional about using words in a positive way to build each other up and to edify one another. And, and there are a myriad of scriptures that, that we could really look into, um, you know, to, to cover, you know, that aspect of, of the tongue and how we use it. But, but just as we've covered these three areas of speaking no evil and speaking the truth and speaking to edify, let's, let's really lay that on our hearts and, and, and let that be the fruit of what's in our hearts. And thirdly and finally here, um, not only where does uh, this come from and, and, and what we actually say, but, but how we say it. And this is critical. Um, it's not just the words um, that we speak, but many times how we speak them that makes a world of a difference. And as I briefly mentioned earlier, it's so important that we that we think before we speak. And we, you know, if we look at Scripture, we, you know, if, if when I say that, you're, you're probably some of you, many of you, might be thinking of Peter, you know, who, who we know was in in many ways uh, someone that 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 spoke before he thought. It seems that way from Scripture, and was very impulsive in, in his actions and in his words. But to think before we speak is, is certainly very critical. And, and James, actually, in the first chapter, uh, we, we saw this verse, didn't really meditate on it, but uh, he said that we, um, as God's children, should be swift to hear and slow to speak. The time I mentioned that, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth, we should use them in that proportion. But when he says slow to speak, it's really saying things like, think before you speak. Don't be too hasty to let those words come out of your mouth. And, and, and weigh your words to find out what kind of impact they will have. Now, naturally, we, we can't do that um, in every part of our conversation, you know, like, 
you know, before we speak or say anything that, that we're going to weigh it. But, but this really speaks also to the importance of, of what's in our hearts, what's going on inside of us, in our minds, in our thoughts, and, and, and in our hearts, and, and how in tune they are with God, because what's, what's in there is going to come out, even in the spur of the moment. But when I say to you, uh, think before you speak, I'm going to use that word as an acronym and just briefly ask you to, to weigh this um, against the words that you speak. Think. So ask yourself, T, is it true? Is it true what you are about to say? Is it the truth? H, is it helpful? Is it going to, is it going to help the hearer? Is it going to benefit them? I, is it inspiring? Will it be something that, as we just covered, is going to edify, is going to build, build that person up and, and help them and, and, and benefit them and encourage them in their life? And N, is it necessary? Is this something that would be better not said? Is it, Better to just keep it to yourself? Would it be wiser not to pass this on? It may be true. But if it's not really necessary, and it potentially could hurt somebody, then keep it to yourself. And finally, K, is it kind? Is it kind? Is the thing that we are about to say a kind thing? Because if it's not kind, um, it may not necessarily always, but it may be something that is unkind and may actually be hurtful. Try to remember that acronym as you think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? But not only should we think before we speak, the Bible teaches us that we should speak with grace, speaking with grace. In Colossians chapter 4, I love this verse, it says, Let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. And what a beautiful analogy, because it, you know, it, it's, it speaks to the other thing that we use our mouths for, and that's for eating. And how we appreciate when something is, is, um, has the appropriate amount of salt or seasoning that really makes that food taste good instead of bland. And, and our speech should be like that as well. It should be something that, that brings, um, quality into people's lives the way we say it. In Ephesians it says, but speaking the truth in love, sometimes it's necessary to speak truth and to speak hard things. But if we can do that in love, as we are instructed to in Scripture, it can make all the difference. In Proverbs, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It really, we can say the same thing two different ways. Um, and many times that makes a world of a difference. And responding to hard words that someone speak to us in, in a soft way, answering them or responding in a soft way can so many times diffuse a situation or, or diffuse an argument or, or, or um, harsh words that, 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 that are going back and forth. And also in Proverbs 15, verse 23, and a word 
uh, words spoken in due season, how good it is. Speaking at the right time, the right words. Proverbs 25.11, a word fitly spoken, is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. What a beautiful word picture. You could just visualize that for a moment. Apples of gold um, in pictures of silver. Something that's beautiful to behold. And certainly the words that come out of our mouths should be not only beautiful um, to behold, but they should be a blessing to the hearer. Fitly spoken. Not just the right words, but at the right time, in the right situation. Words that are appropriate and properly said with grace to edify, to build up. In closing... Going back to the scripture that we began with, one of the scriptures we began with in Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Beloved, all of us, let's remember that as we, as we use our tongues and we speak words. That our tongue can make a world of a difference. And in some cases can be a matter of life and death. I can say with almost 100% certainty that there are some people that are not here this morning. Some that, that were never in this church. Others that are, were in this church. Some that, that maybe weren't even in the Sydney Street Church. Maybe in some of the churches in Kitchener of generations ago that for them words that were spoken may have made a world of a difference a matter of life and death that something that somebody said had such a huge impact that they wanted nothing to do with us or with God or with Christianity and what a tragedy that is. Conversely, I want to believe, and I do believe, that, that there are those that are here and maybe others that are in other good places in life because, because the power of the tongue had such a powerful impact in their lives. The children sing, and we do well to sing with them. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For your father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mouth, what you say. And the psalmist said, and this ought to be the prayer on our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Amen.